Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school, you're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Eating While Broke. I'm your host, Colleen Witt, and today we have a very special TV host, entrepreneur, podcaster. Bad bitch. Exactly. Very special guest. I do. We just have to end up bleeping them out for social. Do you bleep out your socials? Fuck. No, sorry. But, really? I heard it, it messes with the algorithms. Oh, that's probably true. Maybe that's why we have it. is from Horrible Decisions. She also has a TV show called Sex Sales. Mm-hmm. 
And she is an entrepreneur. She owns podcast recording studios in New York and L.A. Mm-hmm. Am I missing a market? Uh, not yet. If you recorded me in two months, you would be. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, hopefully Atlanta. You never know. Okay, okay. Um, but I'm really excited to have Wheezy. I met you probably over a year ago. And literally, like, I just, I love everything you're about. And I plan to take notes. Oh, girl. Okay. But what do you have us eating as your broke dish today? Well, my broke dish today is gourmet mac and cheese. Because I feel like, well, gourmet meat and mac and cheese. Because okay. I don't like to say hot dogs because it sounds cheap. And okay. the meal is cheap. But, like, when broke, I was like, I need to feel full fast. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was, like, a protein and carbs. Mm-hmm. And so hot dogs and macaroni and cheese is, like, the easiest thing. Okay. Even though by itself, I feel like it tastes like shit. So I just tried to dress it up with what I had. Yeah, I saw that. I saw all these extra ingredients, and I didn't know which direction your meal was going. So for our listeners, can you say what is in the gourmet mac and cheese? So I'm going to be real with you. Olive oil is very expensive when you're broke. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what, $8 for this? I, Maybe 10 Probably. Yeah, so I would use Crisco. But okay. virgin olive oil, mm-hmm. Lowry, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say his name, but Tony Chirericus, what's mm-hmm. his name? I just call it Tony Seasoning. Tony Creole. Okay. So we have the mixing bowls. Don't know why. Oh, I thought you were going to drain the mac and cheese water. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I didn't even have a that. I didn't have a, what's it called? Not wow. A, not a strainer. A strainer? A strainer. Yeah. I would take the top, pour it out. Okay. Um, we but, usually do that on the show, by the way. We This is just a fruit strainer. But go on. What's, <laughs> what's the ingredients? I like Nathan's. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Hebrew National wasn't my thing, but Nathan's was like the skinny ones. Okay. Like Nathan's. We've got the cutting board and the knife so that you mm-hmm. could slice up the hot dogs. Onions, butter, and milk. Awesome. Now, it's funny because I've done mac and cheese before, and my greatest accomplishment was adding tuna to the mac and cheese. Okay. But I am excited because there's so much flavor. They say fish and cheese don't go together. So I think it's lobster mac and cheese, and that's it. Hey, I was broke. I didn't, I didn't I even know there were rules. <laughs> you know, I was like, tuna. But, um, but no, I'm excited because this is my first time ever in the history of living on this earth having gourmet mac and cheese. And it's really cool. Do you know what I actually put in my gourmet mac and cheese? Look, you getting all hyped into it. What? What? Okay. Now that I'm getting money, when I make gourmet mac and cheese for real, for real, I put like five different types of cheeses in it Mm -hmm. and I put a little bit of beer. Whenever I... Really? Yes. I can't remember where I learned about the beer from, but it's something about the yeast in the Mm -hmm. beer. Oh my God, you could taste it. It's so good. Really? Beer costs extra money, so I felt like I shouldn't have added that with No, no. But that's your... But you now that you make money... You actually do do a, a still a twist on the gourmet mac and cheese. Hell yeah, you're hilarious. My mom hates it. She's like, "This is so ridiculous." Because every Thanksgiving we have hers, which is classic baked mac, burnt uh-huh. at the top, and then mine is the bougie mac. <laughs> and you're mixed, right? Mm-hmm. So is your mom black? My mom is black, and my dad's Israeli. Okay, my- so maybe it should be Hebrew national. You're hilarious. <laughs> my dad is Jewish, and my mom is Jamaican, so I have the same black and white. Mix because I never ever meet it where the mom is black and the dad is white. Me neither. So whenever I see someone like that, I'm like, hey, that's crazy, right? You always see it the other People way. People always right? like, you're like black and Jewish, or you're like Drake. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be Lenny was the big thing back in the day. They, People don't know who well, he is, no. Emma. Not these yeah, young yeah, kids. Yeah, not these young kids. But um, all right, Wheezy. So I am dying to try this gourmet mac. So cook it's, away. It's not gonna be good. Why you say that? Because think about. 
The stuff we eat today. I mean, you eat shitty meals all the time with this show, so. Oh, let me tell you, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start rating it. And I've been, because I've been pretty nice. Someone made tuna casserole. It's going to get me caught up. But this, it was literally, it's tuna casserole and the pickled egg is the worst dish for me. On the sh- on the show, if people said the worst pickled egg. Have you had a pickled egg? I thought casseroles were for Caucasians, and this is the Black Effect Network. It was li- it was two black sisters that owned a all black owned store that carries all black owned products. That's real black, and they made and a they made a tuna casserole, and it was absolutely that's the- terrible. Putting the olive oil in the pan for the onions because I like it to caramelize. Okay. Okay. But also, um, I'm gonna boil the hot dogs, start boiling the mac and cheese, and while that's boiling, that's where I'd just be trying to get the flavor with the onions and shit. Okay. So the okay. hot dogs taste like extra. Yeah, I just learned the other day that some people season the onions. Are you one of those people? No. Am I a Karen now? <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a black girl. Damn. I don't know. No, that's what I'm saying. Maybe. I expect her to be black. You that's just said. Real you said. Black you shit. said. You're you're a carrot. Oh, I see what you're saying. You want to know something that's just too black? My mom, every time she watches my dog, won't feed the dog dog food. It's only like chicken, right? And I was like, Mom, why is that chicken color different? Oh, well, it has a little garlic powder and, and just a little seasoning on it. She it's, seasoned the dog's food? She says it's too bland. No way. <laughs> and every time my dog comes to back eat. to I me. I need to eat at her house. Out of here. The dog be peeing out of its ass. Actually, this is a very special day and week for me, by the way. Um, my parents, I moved them to L.A., so they're flying in tonight. You moved them? Mm-hmm. They live in Orlando, so literally, I'm New York, Orlando, L.A., mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't do this triangle. It's got to be one back and forth. Okay. So I just wanted them closer to me, so that that to me was like a big life goal. That's I'm from a, Orlando. First of all, that's a, yeah, because it would have been cheaper to move to- from L.A. to Orlando, you move them to a more expensive market. Well, I want them to be closer to me. This is where all my work is happening. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. I mean, Orlando's where I'm from. So it was How nice did that combo go? Um, On my birthday this year, I went to spend it with my father. My dad, um, he's in a wheelchair, so it's a lot more difficult for him to visit me like my mom does. People mm-hmm. probably see my mom all over my content. But uh, my dad was like, oh, damn, I wish I could watch TV with you all the time. I wish we could have these moments together. Mm-hmm. And like, I wish I could be in L.A. with you mm-hmm. and your mom. And I was like, well, shit, you guys could be there. And so, yeah. I mean, to me, it's crazy to make this meal today. Mm-hmm. I actually walked by a T-Mobile store, which was my last job. Mm-hmm. To walk by a T-Mobile store, making the meal I made when I was broke, and I'm literally able to afford to move my parents here. But who knows? Maybe they're going to spend so much money, I'm going to have to eat this shit again. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're making, like, really big moves. I was, I'm so excited about having this conversation with you because knowing that you came from brokenness and seeing like you're making like chess moves thank you like effortlessly so when I say like I'm pulling out the pen like I've been working for myself for a long time but I definitely don't make the type of money that I need to make I'm still in the Jamaican like 2,000 here 5,000 here 3,000 here equals 12,000, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm not at the point where I'm playing chess. So I'm literally excited about this episode because we're all about to get took to school. You, I hope so. Yeah, so. I hope I do the due diligence. Tell us this. what was going on when you were making gourmet mac and cheese, the original So time. 
I'll tell you this. Um, coming from brokenness was something oh, that happened. I thought you were going to put the, sorry. I thought you were going to do the smaller pan for the hot dogs and the I bigger am. pan for the. I want to boil them first. I don't know if they're going to. You're going to boil them in the mac and cheese pot? This is the mac and cheese pot, ain't it? No, it was the other because that pot's smaller. <laughs> I love you, Weezy. Girl, I'm making my own Okay, I'm, I'm staying out of the kitchen. She said she's going to take out just her a, pan now. I'm supposed just, to write shit down. Just so you know. Every time I get involved in the kitchen, I burn someone's dish. So I need to stay in my lane. Okay. Well, okay. That made me feel better. Yeah, because I've, I've been burning stuff on people's own meals. All right. So um, so tell me what was going on. Sorry. So I actually grew up with money. And there was a stock market crash that happened that lost my parents some money. And then my dad ended up having a stroke that kept him out of work. And so um, after that, I ended up dating a guy um, it was just like rich boyfriend that was paying for my school and then he was very abusive, broke up with him and then that stopped. My parents couldn't really afford college. I had to help them out because my dad had the stroke. So started working at the mall, White House Black Market, mm-hmm. clothing store. It was like an Ann Taylor Dang, vibe. Yeah, yeah. That a little bit high nice. class. Yeah, high class. Yeah. That's my first... I did did you to, steal anything from them? Like a few things. Okay, good, good. But then I realized once I had to stop, it, I wasn't like stealing for real, for real. Okay. It was just little shit. And then one day I wore something to work and she was like, I didn't know you got that dress. And I was like, uh. <laughs> the craziest thing was I went to jail and ended up having, it was for my license. Everybody thinks it was something worse. It was for my license and I had a, a GPS monitor on my foot. And so I had to always wear maxi dresses to work. Or like super big boots to so cover. So you got one of those ankle monitors? Yes. No way. While okay. working at White House Black Market, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. So then I think I was helping a woman that worked at a T-Mobile store, and I was selling her mad shit. She's like, you're really good at sales. How much are you making here? I don't remember what it was, fucking $10 an hour, but my commission would be good, so it'd be up to 20 or 30 yeah. And she was like, I can make you double at T-Mobile with the way you sell. Oh, Now, shoot. I knew nothing about cell phones. Yeah. She's like, you don't have to. You just have to be cute. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I went on a date the other day. This thing said, you look like a bitch that used to work at T-Mobile. <laughs> I used to tie my little shirt up like this and uh-huh. be like, what kind of phone y'all want? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I used to sell it to all the yeah. top niggas. Mm-hmm. The prepaid lines in the box. Because uh-huh. you weren't supposed to legally sell them a new number every month. Oh. So niggas would come in. I'd just fucking keep swiping the shit, whatever. Um, so ended up being so good at T-Mobile selling shit. I think my first year working there was like 22, 23. I made like $90,000. Get the heck out. Crazy. They, they don't pay them that way no more. Yeah. But yeah. like I was selling, selling, selling. The iPhone was hot back then. Uh-huh. It had just came out. And literally was fucking flying to Europe, just like experiencing life, living life. Still had a shitty car. Okay. Windows didn't go down. But yeah. I just spent all my money and experiences. And what I realized from those experiences, like, oh, I got to get more and more and more. Every time you taste a little bit of luxury, (laughs) now you need more and more and more, you know? So from there, ended up training T-Mobile staff in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I ended up managing a store, and then they moved me to New York to work in corporate. Mm -hmm. And now, not saying I couldn't have made it to New York alone, but I did have a sugar daddy then. Okay. And so he was helping. Like a legit sugar daddy? Like what you envision in the movies? Like he he wasn't that hot and he had paper? Oh, I thought you meant paper. Oh, yeah. Like some bitches have a sugar daddy. He had a plane. He had a he had a plane. Yes. Oh, he was like legit. Okay. Oh my god, he was so rich, and okay. I met him working at motherfucking T-Mobile. Okay, okay. He came in. He had like three hundred lines for his company, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I'm with Verizon." Da, da, da. But his daughter wanted something that was only at T-Mobile. I was like, "Why don't you move your lines over?" And he's like, "Honey, I don't do T-Mobile. Like this is that's very 
So uh-huh. I, I think I saved him like 25 grand a month and he said he was going to give me a gift. And I told him, he's like, what are you doing this week? I was like, I'm going to go see Beyonce in Miami. It was the formation tour. Okay. He's like, how are you going to get there? I'm like, I'm going to drive with my friends. He's like, take my jet. And I remember my friends like, oh my God, you gonna fuck that old man? We got on that jet and it was like, bitch, I'll suck his dick too. <laughs> and so that was like my first entry into ho, ho, ho shit. Okay, okay. Got me this insane apartment in New York. It was like. Wait, he was doing that too? Oh he yeah. He was paying for it? When he knew I was going to leave Orlando, he was like, sweetie, I, I, I can't have you leave me. I was thinking about getting a place in New York anyway. He's like, where were you going to move? I was like, Manhattan. He goes, that means Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> Which was true. Yeah. So I was Midtown, 54th and 8th. Um, and it's so funny because my mom came to visit me. And the address was 260 West 54th or 260 mm. spot. My mom got to my apartment. She goes, Oh my God, Studio 54 is right there. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's where I was going. That's where I was meeting these rich guys. You're turning into me. She was so <laughs> proud of me. Oh my God. And I think what's funny is my mom always wanted me she to be with- She has such a good personality. I she can does. see where your personality, okay. My mom always wanted me to be with a rich guy, always mm-hmm. wanted me to be taken care of. And like, it's so crazy because now I'm the rich guy. Yeah. You know? Wow. And I don't think she expected it, but- it's just amazing. Like, I never thought I'd get here. I always kind of thought, and she would say to me, you're going to get married, you're going to have a big house, and you're going to move me and your dad in mm-hmm. in the guest house. It's going to be so great. And, like, literally, I'm moving them into a place down the street from me. Yeah, yeah. Without an egg. But how does it Not that feel to one. say that now you're the rich guy? Like, when you, do you, this obviously isn't the first time you said it, is it? When did you have the epiphany that you were the rich guy? I. Damn, that's a good feeling. I can't wait to have that feeling. It was. It was my, the first time I felt that was I was in Paris with my mom, and I took her for a birthday, mm-hmm. and I wanted to fly her first class, but I used like a upgrade certificate and points and mix yeah. it in, you know, because like first class would probably like ten fifteen thousand yeah. for them laydowns. And when we got there, uh, we get to the hotel and it was really nice. And she's like, "Oh, what's our room like?" And I was like, our, "Our room, like we have two separate rooms." Mm-hmm. And every little thing, my mom was starting to count in her head, like, "How much does my daughter make it?" Yeah, she's like, "We got our own rooms." Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the store. I'm like, you want something? I'll just get a lipstick. I'm like, no, mom, you can get more. You can get a bag. You oh, I'm sure your mom was like, what the freak is happening? She was bugging out. And then we walk outside of the Prada store. And there's mm-hmm. a hotel very famous called the Plaza Atene. Mm-hmm. My mom was telling me how princes would take her to dinner there when she was young. And she would meet all these guys when she was traveling in Europe. And this was like the place to go. I was like, oh, do you want to have dinner there? And that was when like it hit my mom. She got really emotional. And she's like, I cannot fucking believe I'm wow. doing this with you. My mom is 70, mm-hmm. 70th birthday at the time. Oh, you said stay out the lane, so I'm staying. I'm watching. Bitch. <laughs> I get cooked for it now. <laughs> Yo, you ain't been in the kitchen in a while, no, huh? No, no, I cooked this morning. Yo, I'm sorry, but you told, me that you told me to stay out the kitchen, and we almost about to burn down the whole... I don't even know if you, you can put that on there to be on the on the wood part. No, I can't. I was looking for another kind of rag. Okay, I'll move it to this one. See, I'm flexing Hilarious. too much. I tried to humble. No, me. I love it. No, but it was it was beautiful because my mom really was just so excited for me, so proud of me. Um, I do remember, you know, we still niggas at the end of the day. Like we sitting here with these fucking Louis bags and all these expensive shopping bags, and literally, my mom orders a drink. She looks at the menu. She says, oh, shit, that was $43. She goes, let let me sip slow. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really great because for me, like, I don't have kids yet. So, like, spoiling my parents just, it's, like, dream come true shit for me. I can only imagine. I really, really have wanted this for myself, my life. And, like, I love doing it for my mom. My mom thinks I'm Beyonce. 
Like if we walk into a place and can't get in, like, you don't know who my daughter is. Call Charlemagne. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's just the, my mom is like, my daughter's on TV. And they're like, really? What? Oh, it's unfused. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I feel really proud to do that. Hell yeah. And they come tonight. Mm-hmm. This is a big freaking deal. It is. She's going to get on my nerves. Well, she, <laughs> luckily, you moved her right down the street. I did. So yeah. my mom wanted to get rid of her car. She was like, I think I'm getting old. She had a little moment. We were looking for her apartment. And she saw me parallel park. She started crying. I'm like, what's wrong with you? She was like, I'm older than I thought. I don't know if I can do this shit. I got to get rid of my car. Like, I'm an old lady. What if I hit somebody? Fuck! And so we sold her car. And I'm a little nervous because, you know, parents don't want to give up too much of their autonomy. Yeah. They need to be able to do shit for themselves. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hope she can. I moved her in a walkable neighborhood. She'll figure it out. Yeah. And then now, they, are they still together? Mm-hmm. So he's, when does your dad come? Or is he? So my dad comes in tonight. Um, he just, like, has a hospital visit. And it's a little mm-hmm. more extensive when someone's, like, fully in a wheelchair. Uh-huh. So I wanted my mom to have a few days to herself. I'll take okay. care of my dad. And then, you know. Okay, awesome. She's moving a lot of shit. They've lived there forever. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Wow, wow. It's a big deal. So let's talk about, go back to your broke story. Okay, because I want to know how this elevation, because it seems like somewhere around your elevation, there was like a speed track. So the broke. Or am I missing something? The brokest I think I'd been was when I left the abusive ex, right? Mm -hmm. He only let me keep barely the clothes that I had, um, Mm -hmm. that I had when I like got with him. Um, Are we talking like emotional or physical abuse? Physical and emotional. He was crazy. I mean, I don't know how dark we can get on this show, but like. I didn't even know it was bad because I just kind of thought when a man is paying for things for you, like you you deal with a little bit mm-hmm. of something, right? Yeah. And so to me, if you never close your fist, I thought that was fine. Okay. I never realized how the steps of, you know, physical violence can be. Yeah. So when I left him, he didn't give me anything. It was really tough. I mean, mind you, I went from when I was a kid having a driver drive me to school that's how rich my parents were Mm -hmm. to like literally figuring out what i was gonna do with the last five dollars right so it was really tough um and i couldn't ask my parents for anything didn't want to tell them how bad it was yeah you know so when i moved you didn't want to tell them because they were already struggling yeah okay and then i can't imagine how my mom would feel she's like oh my god was i excited about you having this rich boyfriend yeah oh yeah you know so ended up finding a place, I think it was 700 a month, mm-hmm. split the rent with a homegirl. It was a two-bedroom in Orlando. Um, it was right by Walmart, thank God, because that's where I was buying all the fucking hot dogs and mac and cheese from. But my number one broke thing I would do, so I used to hang with all the trap niggas, because, hello. <laughs> <laughs> that was my jam. Okay. Um, and I'm from Florida, right? So like Southern culture, big car shows, HBCUs, like it was just fun. And basically what I would do, if they were going to like, buy a bottle or a table in the club, Mm -hmm. I would see if I had like maybe $30 left in my account Mm -hmm. so that it would overdraft. I'd have them give me the cash. And that was like my payday loan to myself. Oh, wow. So I would hold that You are like really in, in deep. When you're thinking that strategy. Oh, yeah. yeah like, you broke his butt. Yeah, yeah. Um, my roommate and I at the time, I remember we both got paid on different weeks. Mm-hmm. So there was a Thursday, and we both got paid that, fr- or I got paid that Friday. I was like, damn, we don't have detergent left, but we want to go to the club. Mm-hmm. We had, like, 20 bucks. She was like, okay, we get vodka or detergent. 
and we got vodka. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we used some body wash and like clean the shit in the sink. Mm -hmm. We were like, we got to go out and meet niggas to make yeah. more money. And it's crazy that like that was what I thought being able to have success looked like. I got to meet a rich guy. I got to yeah. date a basketball player or this yeah. guy or that guy. Yeah. Which a lot of women still think they need to do today. I, I want to subscribe. I'm going to say it. Openly, I want to subscribe to the rich nigga club because I do the opposite. I'm like, are you broken, homeless? Let me help you. I oh. can graduate you to the next level. That's me now. <laughs> oh no, trust me, you don't want to get in that game. You know what the problem is? Because they'll turn around and look at you and be like, I know I'm homeless, but uh, oh no, my girl gonna save my life. I'm, I think I'm better than you. The problem is like, I think now, a lot of the dudes are in my industry, mm -hmm. right? So like the people that I'm working amongst, I can't be out here like. Trying to fuck with these niggas for bread like I used to. Don't get me wrong. I would still want to fuck a nigga for some money. Maybe yeah. just for fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like for real. Like, you know, it's like they'll know me from somewhere. I've seen me on something. So I don't want to be a bird. Yeah. So then I just end up being a bird with these fucking niggas that they got no job. Yeah. But whatever. Girl, that, I'll tell you right now. I am learning and I am done. So, you know, if you ever find a rich one, you can always slide. Hey, Cole. I might. Like, yeah, because I've actually, I've never actually dated a rich dude. My damsel in distress thing all the time was just like, I just really want to be able to like help my, you know, help my parents. And, and it was true. <laughs> I was like, so I'm just like working really hard. You know, I can't afford college, but I just feel like I'm really smart. I read a lot. I'm just always like doing a fucking sob story. Which I'll tell you what, my sugar daddy. Um, a lot of the things that I think help me now mm -hmm. are the stock tips and investment tips I got from my sugar daddy. So, I, you, but didn't didn't you say were your parents in stock market too though? But it crashed. Okay, so you didn't want to take tips from them? Were you like, no, Not I'm for my daddy? It didn't go too well. <laughs> but you know, with him, particularly my sugar daddy, I remember he would get up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, and watch the markets, watch the markets in China, wherever, just international stocks. Uh, what, Forex, right? Yeah, Things yeah. like that. And it never made me want his money. I always wanted to be him. I always wanted to be that person that just had this, 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 and this. Yeah. To me, that was so attractive about him. People used to always ask me how I could fuck him and shit like that. And I was like, bro, you don't know how rich this person is. You don't know how, how much that drives me, the ambition. That yeah. made him sexier and sexier. So wow. one day I eventually just asked him like, hey, I really want to learn the stock market, but like, you know, what can I put like $500 in? Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's not a start. I'll give you $10,000. If you can make it grow, I forgot the time frame he said, I'll reward you with another 10. And he did. Wow. And I kept growing it and growing it. I think at the time I even put the money in T-Mobile. I think it mm -hmm. opened, became a publicly traded company when I worked there. Uh -huh. um, became publicly traded. <laughs> and then it was $6. And then they went up to like 30 And that's how I made a lot of money. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. 
So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. 
we're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So when you were doing the podcasting, this is before, I want to say before everybody was on podcasting, correct? Seven years ago? Yeah. I mean, it was like before the new wave or, or, or were you guys early in? Like We were very early in. Like people okay. were very early doing video. I think for popular podcasts, just for scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand how you're mixing water and oil and you're not getting burned. I'm standing away. Okay. I'm trying to like, I didn't have a grill. Okay. But I'm trying to get that grill flavor. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Okay, gourmet. Continue. Continue. I don't want to derail you. This is fucking me up. This shit is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I can't even listen to music when I cook. I'd be like, one, two, You would be surprised how many people will, at the after each interview, they'll be like, yo, cooking and talking at the same time, really, really difficult. Because you're like, knowing that you have to engage. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what makes it tough. And you have to like, tell your story the entire time. I know. I'm about to start telling some lies. No, <laughs> no. So, playing. so this, the, your sugar da- ba- baby is the sugar, sugar daddy. Ba- mm-hmm. Sugar daddy. Uh, so that would make you the sugar baby, right? Sugar baby. Uh, Okay, okay. I want to be a sugar baby. I want to get a shirt made. Bro, that says that. Every time I was out with him, I would take him to like fucking any. And, and this is when I just moved to New York. Catch just came out at the time, and FTK was super popular. Mm-hmm. And I remember all them niggas would be looking at me with him, and I'd be like, "Come on, babe." <laughs> I almost was turned on knowing that he had to fuck me for money, uh-huh. which is terrible. Yeah, but I was no. okay. It was sexy to me, yeah. like. Especially when I remember he would be like, you want to go get some clothes? And I would always want to get little Nike outfits and shit. You know how as many, all the niggas would be in there. And they'd be yeah. like, the fuck? Like, yeah, he's my daddy. <laughs> but um, so anyway, start horrible decisions. But I like how you were actually inspired by his moves versus, well, I I don't want to say I like, but it's interesting that you were inspired by him being successful to be even more successful. And you you took the initiative to even say, hey, I want to learn what you're doing and, and do it on my own, which was the great. The thing is, like, I always wanted this sex in the city life, mm-hmm. but I never felt like any of them needed men to live that life. Yeah. And so I wanted to have the girlfriends that I was wearing amazing designer with and fucking enjoying fashion shows and doing this shit. But I knew if I was tied to a man, I wouldn't have that freedom. Yeah. And I had also experienced my first relationship, a man with money and abuse. So I was like, yeah. I have to have it on my own. I can't yeah. be down again. And, you know, I hate to say it like this, but my mom was a housewife her whole life. Mm-hmm. And what happened to my parents with losing their, I mean, their house got foreclosed on, mm-hmm. right? The, the home that I semi-grew up in, it's like, it was tough to watch them go through that. And I think about two incomes mm-hmm. or just diversifying shit, yeah, yeah. what that would have meant. And so that really fueled me a lot. And it's tough for my mom to hear that. Yeah. But it. Oh, why? Have you had those si- sidebar conversations? Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's not easy. Like, my mm-hmm. mom... My mom is so amazing, but there's moments where she's like, oh, my God, I never taught you to go out there and do it alone. But look at you. Like, In a way, crazy. you did, yeah. you know? Well, I, mean, I made money off of personality. <laughs> well, you make money because you're a gangster entrepreneur. That's really you. it. I mean, the personality, I mean, in my opinion, the personality is just like the, the cherry on the cake. But, but you know what, though? I'm a seller at heart. Yeah. And my father... That's what he did. Growing up, he owned like camera stores and 
uh, like, you know, the little row of like stores back in the day they'd have where they were selling electronics, mm-hmm. those shops. That was my dad's like line of work. Okay. And uh, when I was growing up, I mean, the shit, that's what I started selling clothes, T Mobile, mm-hmm. my pussy. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, literally everything about it felt like selling to me, yeah. you know, like, it's interesting the way Mandy and I have kind of done our business. I always felt like she has ex- really uh, helped us so much when it comes in terms of our finances, right? She had a financial background. And even though I came from the tech world with selling, like, I mean, I'm the first person when we're on a call that's like, I want to do it for this much or we need this or that. And like, okay. I love that we've been able to play up both of our corporate roles in that. Yeah. And I've, I've got a lot of seller blood in me. Uh, my partner, Alex, now with WTF Media Studios, Anytime we have a big deal or he sees someone's budget, he's like, oh, you have to sell them on the phone. Oh, like, okay, you have okay. To, you have to tell awesome. them why. And I, I really enjoy it. It makes me feel like I still got it a little bit. I uh, I always say this, that I think, I used to always say when I have a child, I want to teach her how to read. I want to teach her financial literacy. I want to teach her about God. But the number one skill that she has to have before she graduates high school is the ability to sell. Because I think it is the most underrated skill. And if you're going to go work for yourself, the number one thing you're going to have to do is sell sell a product. Sell yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I... I'll buy anything. Yep. And I remember when I had my first company, I remember going to Home Depot or Office Depot and buying those little sale books and, you know, how women should have their hair pulled back and all this and whatever. But I, I... knew right away that sales is the one skill. And and I would listen to all these audio tapes too about like how people, you know, you're you're almost nervous getting into it. What's interesting about selling too, I know Mandy and I had a conversation about this. Like, mm-hmm. so I never finished college because I couldn't afford to finish it because mm-hmm. I got out of that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want it to splatter on all this equipment. I don't normally do it like this. But um, Mandy at the time coming off of two degrees, working for this huge firm, Mm -hmm. and she was working more hours and not making as much as me Mm -hmm. um, in accounting. At that time, I understand it was junior level. But I think about that a lot, and I think about the money you can make from selling all Mm -hmm. the time, and I think about that instance of like, shit, maybe she's smarter than me, but why isn't she making enough? And it's because that particular skill really can't be taught for real. You it can't. Learn yeah, that. you got to practice it and practice it and practice it and practice mm-hmm. it. I mean, I believe Mandy is greater than, um, what was I going to say? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the job that she had, and that's why she's making way more and doing way more things now. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, was selling, doing shit like that, had horrible decisions on the side, and it was really difficult to juggle both. Mm-hmm. And so about two years into doing horrible decisions... I quit, but it was mainly because I was like, you know what? If I ever wanted to come back to this shit, I will. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been making jokes recently. I'm like, oh, my God, me in 15 years, I'm probably going to be a real estate agent. So why did you quit two years in? The trajectory of horrible was faster than the trajectory of corporate America. For example, how long do we work a corporate job, right? So you want to get promoted. Mm-hmm. I worked for T-Mobile six years. Mm-hmm. I got be- to be a manager after year three and a half, four, mm-hmm. if there's a spot for you. Mm-hmm. So to me, I kind of just felt like this is moving faster than my rate in the corporate world. What? Yeah, but you Not- said you quit horrible. Oh, sorry. Quit my corporate. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, because you were like two years in, I quit horrible. So quit no, no, you're, you're quit your corporate. Okay, okay, got quit it. Quit my corporate job after two years. Uh-huh. And I legitimately felt like it was not going to make me 
But I have to ask before how how much were you making at horrible to say okay not were as you much. making you, oh you weren't making as much as T-Mobile. So here's the thing because okay. a lot of people ask me when is the right time to quit a job mm-hmm. and I can only explain it like this. Starting T-Mobile, I made ninety thousand. Ending, I was around one seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is damn re- T-Mobile. Go ahead, go on. <laughs> it, it was like I was selling to companies though, yeah. that needed like Ethernet. I grad disaster recovery. Like I graduated from phones. Um, but basically, this is what happens. So horrible decisions at that time that I quit may have been making me a hundred thousand, maybe one twenty-five mm-hmm. from touring mainly, not even Patreon ad money. And that's two years in. Yeah. Jeez. All right, go on. And I think the tour money, because Mandy and I were buying out theaters. We brought out Caroline's on Broadway. And you guys were physically doing it yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Splitting that money, paying ourselves back, Eventbrite type shit. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was like, oh, took me six years to make 90 to 175. Took me two years from zero to 100. Mm -hmm. So next year, I'm going to make more. Yeah. Let's just say I make another 50. It's worth it. Yeah. Not to mention, I have more time on my hands. I could probably do more appearances and more tour dates. So mm-hmm. it's time to quit. I also remember one moment. It was Brilliant Idiots. Um, if anyone watches that episode, I was literally wearing a suit, like a blazer and a skirt. But Mandy and I had to like make an excuse to leave our jobs that day to go shoot with Charlamagne and Andrew. Mm-hmm. So I think that... It really will show you, like, when you have to start saying no to things. Oh, you're looking for this? Oh, yeah. When you have to start saying no to things because of your day job, yeah. maybe that's when it's time. Like, when yeah. you're really getting booked like that. Like, TV appearances even. Like, I remember we did Vice Live, mm-hmm. and I couldn't be there early for the rehearsal because of my job. And I was like, damn, man. And anyone who's watching this who might be semi-getting entertainment, whether you've got a TikTok or a popular Instagram channel, you want to do a horrible decisions podcast and maybe get, or even eating while broke, uh, who the fuck is going to do this shit at 6, 30, 7 o'clock at night? Right? Who's going to do what? Like to have a guest. Oh, you yeah, yeah. Entrepreneurs. Like yeah. all this shit gets filmed during the day. Yeah, yeah. So it's really tough to have a 9 to 5 and pursue those entertainment dreams. And like that was why I was like, I got to figure this shit out. I think my biggest success in this industry um, came during the pandemic while pivoting. So, made the TV show Sex Sells. It's about the business of sex, Mm -hmm. having money, making money from sex without having it. Um, And I came up with that because that's how I make money, right? I just Mm -hmm. basically talk about sex. Yeah. Covered all these adult industries, and I'm not a TV star, and it ended up popping on Fuse, and that's why I'm on season three. How did you, did you package that yourself and then start selling it, or did you package it and then start calling Charlemagne or or different people you have relationships with and like... So I have something that I need. That's what made me the most proud. I didn't need a cosign for that. Okay. I believe Horrible Decisions had the Car- Charlemagne cosign, and that's what made a lot of people watch in the beginning. I do believe Charlemagne made our success faster. I don't believe we're successful because it happened faster. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened with Sexels was like I just had so much time during the pandemic to think. Mm-hmm. And I knew my two loves were fucking and money. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, my God, I should – Make the show. I want to humanize sex workers. And literally, yeah. people don't talk about their sex lives on it. Yeah. And a lot of people have said, like, oh, it's like horrible decisions on TV. But it's even... It doesn't sound like it. It sounds completely different because you're talking I'll about interview, the sex workers, right? Right. I'll interview a lot of the guests we had mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that I can, you know, show them some love. And they've got real businesses, promote them. But mm-hmm. no, it's totally different. And um, I love doing it. Mm-hmm. It makes me... It really brought me into the world of seeing how production works, the larger scale mm-hmm. budgets and money. 
And so, but you pitched it yourself. That's what I'm saying. Like you went out there, or did you have a manager that helped you? So it started slow. I didn't have a manager. Never had an agent. Um, ever. No. Basically. Oh, still to this date. No, not personally. Damn, you're a gangster. I have okay. a person that gives. I give them a cut of my money if they do PR stuff for me. But, okay. Um, if they get me a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So basically, there was a guy that reached out to me months back. Um, before the pandemic was like, oh, do you want to do this type of show? Mm-hmm. I was like, no. Pandemic hits. And I was like, you know what? I wonder what the fuck he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, he making TV? Is TV being made? And we started talking about what it would look like if we worked together and came up with sex cells together. He worked at Fuse at the time, helped me package it. Oh, wow. Helped me yeah. make a Bible. And we did it that way. But what I will tell anyone that has a good TV idea mm-hmm. is... People that work in development need shows all the time. I currently run development for Kenya Barris at Audible, right? Okay. Don't send me shit right now. (laughs) I'm done with that. But, like, literally, I was wondering what shows we're going to make for him. Like, developers want to fucking know. And if you have good ideas, shooting pilots, making decks, having a Bible, having the demographics of why it would be good, not just coming in there blank like, hey, I'm not doing anything, like... I've been doing X, Y, Z. Like, if you hit up the Food Network, you'd have how much to show them? For real. I'm you know not. what I mean? I'm going to take notes. Remember how I said I was taking notes? Gosh, oh, you did. <laughs> but, like, here it is. Here's my spread. Yeah. And this is what I do with this type of budget. Imagine yeah. if you gave me 50000 an episode. Yeah. I could be doing it on location. I could be coming to their homes. Yeah. I could be X, Y, Z. Like, uh, there's so many different ways for the things that we're making right now to make them next level. Yeah. And so I think that... We just kind of have to use our network. Like, my biggest thing with playing chess is making sure that I'm rubbing elbows with those that can one day need to use me for something. Not I need They need to use you. That's awesome. Yeah. Because the thing is, I remember Charlemagne said this about someone. They were like, he was like, that person is such an opportunist. And I was like, I wonder if that's who I am. But really, I don't ask. Mm-hmm. I let every single person know what the fuck I do. Mm-hmm. I just had a dinner where I sat down next to one of the most famous comedians in the world. I don't even know if this person can travel on a commercial plane. That's how famous they are, right? Wow. And when they asked me what I do, didn't even say podcasting. I was like, I own a production studio in New York and L.A. It's black-owned. We shoot podcasts mainly, but we also have a mobile team. Mm-hmm. Boom. Now it's in your brain. Now you know what you can use me for. Like That's the job I felt like I needed to sell to that person at the time. Awesome. When I talk to TV show, TV networks or people that work in Netflix or different things like that, I host, I do this, I do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I want to make sure that I'm useful to people that I rub elbows with. Yeah. I think your sales skills, like, shines through. I always say, like, sales is more about paying attention to what the customer wants, listening to them, mm-hmm. and then catering to their needs. That's versus it. Versus trying to sell someone something that they don't want to buy. So I've even the way you're talking is, like, your sales skills are just... Really? Amazing. Yeah, because that's how it is. You're supposed to sell. You're supposed to, you know, if someone walks up to me right now, I'm going to think about, you know, what it is they're going to need or want from me. Correct? You, you know, that's a really good point because I didn't even think about me selling myself in that way. But like, damn, it is. It is. But now. But like, opportunists is different because opportunists are, I always say I want to be a business person, not a hustler. Because I feel like a hustler is like. I'm going to take advantage. Someone's going to get the short end of a stick. But a business person is like, we're all going to win. You're going to walk away with your piece of the pie. 
she's going to walk away with her piece of the pie and I'm going to walk away with my piece. And no one feels taken. Agreed. You yeah. can never make someone feel like they're doing you a favor. Yeah. Uh-uh. Like, at all. I mean, Charlamagne was lucky, lucky enough to make uh, horrible decisions for his rollout on Black Effect. I know there was 85 South, all the smoke. And I literally was thinking to myself the other day, Charlamagne is Charlamagne, but horrible decisions was still good enough to where Black Effect was like, oh, we do need those numbers for yeah. when we sell to ad people. Yeah. Like, I don't want to fucking suck anybody's dick to feel like, and I'm not talking about that instance, but just anyone like, thank you so much for giving this to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. When you know your value. Yeah, yeah. And we have to make sure that we're definitely pouring into ourselves in that way. But, I mean, shit. You know, I love Fuse to death, but I also know my show brings numbers in, and I know that's why they treat me well. They love me, too. Like, yeah. we're definitely doing what we need to do for each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so happy to be on a network that... You know, I can be their most watched show. Like, maybe if I was on an HBO or some Netflix, maybe I would just kind of go under the radar. I don't think so. Maybe. I I honestly don't think so. Thank you. I don't think so. I'm not even trying to be nice. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. 
Listen to Woke App Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What was your hardest hurdle I th- just to come to date? Because I feel like you have a lot of great pivots, but like, where was there a point where you were like, I don't know. Mm. That you seriously like had that conversation of, I don't know. And it could have been My before. studio. Okay. My studio, which is the best thing I've ever done, actually. My studio gave me the seal of approval to be bigger than just a podcaster. Like, that was really when I became a businesswoman. No matter how hard Mandy and I have worked, I never felt like that. And it's no shade to her. I I don't know if it's because we're women. I don't know if it's because we talk about sex. But, like, I had to do something else for myself to feel like I could be respected. Mm -hmm. And it really shows. Something about brick-and-mortar spaces, too, make people feel very, like, oh, they're really doing something, which is weird. But it's also because I started getting other people money. Like, we but got, what was the hesitancy? Like, where was that hesitancy at? Like, where was that pain? That investment. From? Right? Oh. My partner, Alex, shout out to him. We spent an insane amount of money on fucking equipment, mm-hmm. which is why we have one of the best studios, right? Like, mm-hmm. literally, I was like, how can we be charging people this little, but, like, our equipment is so fucking expensive? Like, yeah. it doesn't add up or whatever. Yeah. And he was like, yo, that's why everybody's going to come to us. To yeah. know that the podcasters like us can be there and then the Charlemagne's of the world or whoever mm-hmm. they may be. David Letterman was in our shit. 
Oh, shit. Right. Okay. He's like, to know and, these people. And, okay. You can sit amongst them. Like, we're going to be for all of them. And that's really been our brand. I believe that's why we're growing. I mean, we get resumes like fucking crazy every day. So how long did it take when you, so you made that initial investment, the, by the way, you're cooking like we are in a rich restaurant because the plate, look at all the food she made. And it's like, I feel like I'm about to eat an appetizer gourmet I'm dish. trying to make it look clean and minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> when the cameras are off, I'm going to just go in with a fork and just eat everything direct. I know it. Are you serious? Yeah, because I'm starving and you gave me like an appetizer oh, meal. Oh, it's fucking hot dogs. I'm joking. Just, girl, I want to see you sit down next to this mic and spend quality time with me. Okay. Okay, let's try this. It looks good. But. It's good though. It's not bad. You know what? It's the onions. I'm surprised you didn't mix these in together. Funny enough, my co-host talks about Haitian spaghetti mm-hmm. and there's hot dogs in it. I never mix the hot dogs and pasta, but this shit is kind of good. This shit is amazing. Did you mix it all on one fork? I put it together, yeah. I don't want it all to right. touch on the plate. For all y'all listeners, the hot dog and the onion smack, I definitely will mess with Nathan's just because I feel like maybe it tastes different or I just haven't had a hot dog in a while. But the freaking grilled onions and mac and cheese is genius. Bro. I don't know why I've never thought of seasoning up my mac and cheese. But the grilled onions. It's crunchy. It's amazing. I am so fucking happy. I am very impressed. The the only thing is, I would maybe add, and I don't even know, but do you agree? Would you add more salt to the mac and cheese? Oh, I put salt in my stuff, but I don't want to do that to people. Oh, okay. okay. That's why I left the Lowry's for you. Okay. You know, sodium is a bitch nowadays. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's a lot of salt in that Tony Shirari, whatever the fucking name is. Okay. So, for a girl that came from money, went broke, had sugar daddies, and is self-made to the point of flying your family in from Orlando to L.A., still in the early, early... I don't even want to say how early 30s she is because all of us that are listening. Can you believe that? No. What you've accomplished? It's amazing. You know, sometimes I get scared, like I'll lose it. Mm -hmm. But then I realize the hunger that I have to help everybody around me Mm -hmm. is too deep. It's too intense that I don't think it could happen. How do you deal with, well, you said you have multiple companies. You're definitely spread. It sounds to me like you're spread pretty thin. I'm so happy you shared that because I always think that maybe I'm doing something wrong if I have so many hustles going at the same time. Fuck no. You know, there is something to be said about a master of none. Mm -hmm. But I will say this much. What's worked for me, I don't steal anybody's idea. Mm -hmm. I really ride my own wave. I made a studio not because there's other podcast studios because there were no black-owned ones that Mm -hmm. were going to have podcasters run it. Mm -hmm. I'd never been to a podcast studio run by a podcaster. I made horrible decisions because I really wanted to do a fun sex show with someone that I knew was authentic, and there were no black shows about sex that were hosted by normal girls. Yeah. Right? It was always like porn stars or whatever. Everything that I've done so far I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Except for stock, I would say. But, like, I've really rode my own wave, and that's why I think it's worked. Yeah. So when you do too many different trades and you're taking an idea— like, your concept is different. We've all seen a cooking show, but your yeah. concept's different, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, 
it, you have to have something different added to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you don't, you then become a master of none because you're just trying to do things that other people do. Yeah. That's tough. I uh, I have a fear of, I don't even know where this fear came from, but when it comes to partnering with other people, I feel like my greatest asset is my relationships. And it's probably because I have so much integrity. I'm like, dude, I won't hurt a fly. I really won't even hurt a fly because I want to treat people the way I would want to be treated. So my loyalty is there. But when I see like you and Mandy working together and you and Alex working together, I'm like, either the integrity on you has got to be super lit or how are you managing that partnership? Because I always I always get nervous. Like, what if the other partner doesn't hold up or there's a disagreement. So how do you how do you navigate that? Um, my first partnership I've ever had was with Mandy, right? And mm-hmm. Mandy and I had stopped. We were friends, stopped being friends, became friends again during the show, fell out of friendship again. But I think we are so hungry to make money that we look past that mm-hmm. and we're able to think of the greater purpose. Like, if I had a co-host that wasn't about our fans, mm-hmm. maybe I couldn't do the job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But Mandy's a self-starter like I am, too. Yeah. So it's not tough. Like, Mandy and I were on tour putting together the merch table or doing something with the merch or the VIP things. And, you know, if I see her doing something, I don't want her to do it alone. Like, yeah, because. Oh, nice. OK. You know, and I think she feels the same for me. So we definitely try. And trust me, I have a time where I didn't even realize how much work she was putting in with the finance stuff. Mm-hmm. She's making spreadsheets and shit back then and doing stuff. I didn't even understand that works. I would try to do it on the creative side. But like, I think for me, with partnerships, there's a skill set that someone has that I don't. You know, WTF is so about the tech, which Mm -hmm. is all Alex and not Mm -hmm. me. But I do have to give myself credit on how we were able to Get this shit going. Yes. I always don't know how much our rent is or where, where the light bill come from. Mm-hmm. He don't know what's fuck going on, which is great. Yeah. Figure out the other shit. Like, yeah. I really learned how to use our skills and work together in that way. And it's definitely been touched. He's one of my tough. He's one of my best friends. And it's like, damn, now sometimes it's all work. Mm-hmm. So we really have to feed that friendship. You know, we have yeah. to have a night where we get drunk together and have fun and not talk about work. We have to yeah. really do that to enjoy each other and separate it. Because it's tough. Yeah. I know with uh, Dolly, Dolly and I came from the Nick Cannon era. Okay. A lot of people don't know this. So my whole hookup with Black Effect was Dolly's the president of Black Effect. Yeah. My stuff was an accident. It was legit. I was telling Dolly I was literally like flying weed money (laughs) during the pandemic because I was hustling all different directions. But anyways, I was trying to build this show and I was like, Dolly, I think you should be a part of it. But, you know, she had this other job offer and she's like should I take I'm like as long as they don't tell you to go to work girl I'm all about taking all checks I didn't know it was the president of the black effect or whatever they happen to need a cooking show and she pitched eating while broke and called me like you're gonna kill me and I was like why would I kill you? We're actual friends, you know? She's like, I sold it. She's like, uh, I told, you know, iHeart and ICM and Charlemagne about eating while broke and they loved it. And I was like Okay, so where do I kill you? She's like, well, they, you know, we run a podcast network and your show is you want to do a TV show. I'm like, Dolly, the table was just built in my garage. My neighbors are driving past it. I actually don't even know where this table is going to go. Okay. And I think I had just found out I was pregnant or or I was like borderline in that conversation. And I was like, shit, you know, I was 
doing weed, illegal weed activity. I was hustling in all these different planes, but I had this idea that was literally sitting in my garage. Like they just finished putting the forks on the table. And I'm like, wow. Dolly, I'm about to go broke. And I done pitched all my celebrity friends, but I don't even know if we're just taking this table to their house or how we're even doing it. So why would I kill you? Like, and she was like, yeah, well, they want to send you an offer. Like, and I was like, she's like, can you send me all your decks and stuff? And I was like, yeah, I had already had everything made, but it was really no reason to kill her. But even to this day, like sometimes as friends, I'll have to get on the phone with her and she'll be like, I don't want to talk business or we could talk friends. So that's how we manage the friendship. It'll be like, Dolly ain't trying to hear nothing wow. about work. That's tough when someone's like cutting the ch- It's That's tough. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. I, I remember the first time I heard an attitude from Dolly when I was asking for more money. I was like, oh. Oh yeah, Dolly will tell me no so fast. Uh, I but don't want to. But you know, I separate. Working is a safe place. It's a safer place than not. You know, in my hardest times with Mandy, I remember being so angry at her. We've definitely thought like, I can't do this anymore. And literally, it was like, why would I go fucking? Where, where am I gonna go and make all this goddamn money? <laughs> where am I gonna? Where am I gonna yeah. go? Work for someone else? Yeah. Some fucking white dude? Like, no, I'm gonna make this money with her and figure it the fuck out. Actually. It's interesting with our partnership. I, I recently was at dinner with someone who asked me uh, about books and money spending and things like that. And I was like, when you talked about integrity, I just thought about it. Uh, whether I'm angry with Mandy or not, I've never thought she would like take money from the company or something, yeah, right? Yeah. With Alex and I, we're besties, so we're not going to fuck each other over. And they were telling me about how someone had been sneaking money out of their, oh, their partnership. Yeah. And I never thought of the bad side of what could happen from partnerships, only the good. But it's really because I do find strength in numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think partnership just builds and builds and builds your portfolio. I mean, I would rather have half of 10 things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, especially knowing that, like, there's so many times Alex has called me and is like, uh, yo, Neil Brennan is coming in. And David Letterman coming in our studio is us, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe I'll hit him up and I'll be like, we're locked down for a week. We got a deal from Amazon. Yeah. Like it's always one or the other. And it mm-hmm. really, really helps because when you're trying to get all that different money, yeah. you can't do all things. No. I don't believe in people that are trying to have too much control over everything. Okay. You know, that's that's when it gets really tough. That's when you get burnt out. Yeah. You've got to be able to alleviate some of that. Yeah. I'm real cheap. And I don't even be wanting to give money up to an assistant, but I realize it helps make your life easier. Have you have you considered bringing one on yet? I have one. Okay, okay. She's, has it has it been helpful? Well, our studio is so busy. She's now just the studio manager of the two New York locations. But oh, she was amazing. Like she literally helped me with my grandmother's funeral. Oh, you know, wow, like yeah. when you got a good one. But my sister's like a real nigga. Like she's not. <laughs> like she's not. Oh, she's so great. She'll call me like, these motherfuckers, like she helped me with the thing for the wheelchair for my dad today, mm-hmm. right? She sent me a screenshot of an email. She was like, these motherfuckers trying to play me, bruh. And like, <laughs> it's so funny because like you kind of do have to work with someone that yeah. makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, if she was too tidied up, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, yeah. But like, I love partnering and working with people that make me feel like I'm at home. Yeah, yeah. Because when I we agree. face the world, there's a different person yeah. across that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So knowing that we hire black and hire people that are a vibe, like, yeah. It's just, it's so great. Yeah, I think, uh, but also finding someone that really is invested in your vision and your long-term goals. I know with my crew, I love them. Like, if I feel something's derouting, I'm like, dinner, lunch, we're getting together. Let's get to the table and find out what's going on. But we, I genuinely, like, love my crew. Like Everybody that works for me, I would want to have a drink with them. Yeah. That, to me, 
I don't want to hire anybody that makes me feel like, oh, they're getting on my nerves or they're yeah. weird or like, yeah. I want to know they're cool. Whether they be nerdy as fuck and maybe we don't share those hobbies, like yeah. there has to be some connection there. Yeah. Or I won't maybe care as much. And I think my thing to being a good boss is giving a fuck. Yeah. You know, writing down everyone's birthdays, making sure I get them a gift, uh, sending yeah. them texts, telling them I appreciate them. I also don't say people work for me. Like I, if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm in front of someone, mm-hmm. I feel like that's... Do you, do you call them, like, your team? How do you reference them? Like? I'd be like, I say we work together if someone okay. wants to know. Oh, I like that. Um, even if they walk in the studio and they know I'm the owner, I'd be like, this is Danny. He works with us. Mm-hmm. Or, like, that just makes me more comfortable. Yeah. I find a lot of condescendingness in when people kind of just be like, they work for me. Yeah. I was at an event the other day and someone said, just so you know, I'm her boss. And I was like... Yeah, I don't know if you had to say that. I don't even know the point of saying that. But I think mainly in corporate and maybe not They're in the small, smaller. Well, I don't want to say in entrepreneur. I don't know. But I do see, I guess if you're not at the higher level, you see that more. Because I don't even think the executives be like, I'm the boss. No. But like. Look at Connell from iHeart. Yeah. He was hugging everybody and chilling. I'm like, what the fuck is motherfucker? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know. That's the thing, too. I feel like there's this middle of success when you try to prove yourself. I can only relate it to this. When I was kind of getting some decent money, mm-hmm. I wanted to wear Louboutins. I wanted to wear my fucking one Louis Vuitton bag everywhere. I needed to throw it in your face. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I that, know. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about Montessori school right now. Every time I see someone, I'm like, I pay $2,000 a month for my one-year-old to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> I should just have it as a billboard at this point. Oh, bro. I feel like I'm luxury, and that's really probably a regular person thing, but I'm like, no, that's a lot. <laughs> that's better than daycare. You know? Monica's but I literally, bullshit. but I brag about it, like, and I'm pretty, I saw some comedian talk about, like, how when black people brag when they're rich, Asian people brag when they're rich, and how white people brag when they're rich, and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely the, the black person that's like, I pay 2K. <laughs> I try to find ways in a point where I'm feeling a little inferior. Yeah. Sometimes people, you never know, they make you my, like, it's, I can't explain it, but there's moments where people will make you feel like you don't belong in the room there. Yeah, yeah. That's when I might do a little bit of. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time that happened. I had this story I told on Horrible. It's on our Patreon where I came back from Paris Mm -hmm. and I was hanging in this Beyonce and Jay-Z party. It was mm-hmm. very small, like 30 people. And after that, you couldn't tell me shit. It was me and Alex. I was like, fuck you, bitch. Me and Beyonce was like, you know, in the air together. So I just kept finding ways to bring it up. So we went to like some Spotify dinner that week and everybody's just like, oh, Horrible Decisions, never heard of it. Um, yes, actually, I've been to France. Um, not that you asked. Uh, Beyonce was there, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I be trying to figure out a way, but I don't know. And I think that's kind of when... You, you do have, and I know that I came from something, so I just can't say came from nothing, but like when you had that struggle, you want to know. Yeah. You want people to know I belong here too. Yeah. Because I have a lot of hella privileged people that I know that don't really have that. That drive or the? That, that. um Or the backstory. They don't need to, like I hang with this really rich girl sometimes when I'm in LA. Mm-hmm. Like grew up rich. I think her family's got a fucking castle somewhere. <laughs> I never really see her tell you anything about her life because she realizes it's so, it's not part of her story. Yeah. Like everything she's experienced isn't exciting. Mm-hmm. Like when I told her about the Beyonce and Jay Z thing, she's like, oh yeah. I'm like, what? You met them before? She's like, yeah. Well, I used to hang with the Arnolds when I was a kid who own LVMH. That's hilarious. And I'm like, okay. 
Hey, bitch, I didn't know the bitch. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, so I'm like, oh, I wonder if it kind of shows that you don't really have much. But what I appreciate is like people that can enjoy it with you. Like the first person I called after that Beyonce and Jay-Z night was Charlemagne. He's Over. in the bed with his wife. It was 1130 at night. Me and Alex are drunk in the street in Paris. I'm like, I got to tell somebody. <laughs> and he was so excited and laughing. He was like, y'all in now. I'm like, bruh, the next time I see them, they call me really. Maybe not by name, but they put it over the bitch for Paris. Yeah. And it's just this cool, exciting milestone. But maybe I will get to the place where it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I hope not. No, 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 no. So now that you've traveled the world, you own companies, you're flying your family out. What advice would you give to someone that would, even just in my shoes, you know, what advice would you give to someone that's, plane hasn't fully taken off the ground yet and they've been hovering for a long time i would say thinking bigger than the biggest thing you're thinking of i think that we sell ourselves short a lot mm -hmm. whether it be i don't know this just made me thinking right eating while broke is currently a podcast it seems like next up is tv show yeah. that seems like what that is right but I like, also want to do touring, which 85 South has been like, just do it. But Dolly's like, hell no. And 85 South is like, do that shit. Why, do they, why does Dolly say no? Uh, she thinks I need to spend more time growing my audience, mm -hmm. like baby steps. And then, but I low-key secretly want to do Ice Cube in L.A. I would tell you Q4. this piece of advice then. I would say you do it in the middle. You do one show. You do one show mm -hmm. in your hometown or where your largest base of audience is, and that's L.A., right, mm -hmm. I'm assuming? Yeah. So it's like you do your L.A. show. You don't tour. You yeah. do your L.A. show. You practice. You get your biggest fan base there. You already have all your friends come. It's probably where all the talent you know is. Yeah. So you do it right there in L.A. After you do that, then you kind of get your feet wet. Or this space is semi-big. Make a Patreon inv or invite your top fans. Invite I'm 15 fans. Really? Invite 15 fans, have them sit and watch, laugh with you, uh, maybe put the ingredients out there and be like, this is what I got. Y'all going to help me make this meal. Maybe they just shout yeah. at you and they share stories with you. When you guys did your Patreon, what, were you, what was your first, like, did you even think you would make money when you first did the Patreon? No. We make way too much on Patreon now. Well, I mean, I'm sure, like, they're... You know, there's Patreons bigger than me, but like we did it before. I think we were one of the first black popular podcasts that we know on there. Mm -hmm. Like we had ours the first year, year seven. Um, I mean, the the first year of year seven. And we only did it to make more money for the studio. Mandy and I were like, this shit costing too much. We ain't making no money. Mm -hmm. Friend of mine was like, have you ever heard of El Chapo Trap House? Something like that. It's like a white podcast. I was like, no. And he's like, they make like 90 grand on Patreon. I'm like, you should make. <laughs> you guys were like, doop, doop. What's that? <laughs> right. I mean, shit, we don't make 90, but we do make 20. Get the heck out on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Get the freak out. But to out. be honest, though, our Patreon, like, we started a hive very early of people that really resonated with Mandy and I because we were corporate girls talking about sex, and it was mm -hmm. kind of the life that if you didn't live it, you'd want to live it, or you could see mm -hmm. yourself living it. Like, host stories while, like, being overdrafting or, you know, being at your desk, whatever. So when we made Patreon, it was to get extra money for filming. Mm -hmm. I remember $1,000 a month feeling perfect. Hell yeah, that's how I... I know that sounds small, Cover your but production. yeah. Like, so when it got higher, um, Mandy and I just started spilling more of our personal lives on Patreon. Okay. And it became like we were just talking to fans instead of like doing a show. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we have so so many guests now that people that really fuck with Mandy and Wheezy, 
they want Patreon. Okay. Like, a lot of people enjoy those episodes more. I... I love, like, a better-looking set, but yeah. I get it. Mandy and I be on Zoom. I be hungover. Shit, I think I was still mollied out on one episode. I was like, oh, my God, you guys, I didn't sleep. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't sleep and I didn't like that. Like, people like that shit when you're very raw. Yeah. And so we offer that. So it's something different. But, yeah, I would invite your closest fans, if it's not Patreon right now, figure out where you talk to them the yeah. most. Have them come and watch. Well, I, I think this season is the most I've seen fans reach out, which, by the way, I'm absolutely shocked. I'll get a DM like, please don't stop. Please don't quit. We love this. Or really? like, Yeah, or like, I promise you're asking the questions that we want. You That's know? all you need to hear. And I'll be like, thank you, because I for sure had a shitty day today, and I really want to jump off a bridge. But that message just like literally, I know People it's don't know random, but they tell you how you me. help them. Yeah, I'm like, you text at the right time and i will respond that like yo the timing couldn't have been better Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you for saving my life (laughs) with with fans too like we look at other people's numbers and comparison is a thief of joy right oh i definitely do i'll be like look at them but you know now i look at y'all and i'll be like take notes people be like what's changed especially when we're in podcasters when we're in line to them right like I remember when Carl, her daddy, made the $60,000 deal, or $60 million, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I'll never get me. I was saying shit like that. I don't have that. I'm like, nigga, this podcast makes how much money? I'm like, why am I talking like this? Yeah. You know, and we really have to pour into ourselves better because we always are looking at something else. I do it with my body, mm-hmm. do it with my hair. Mm-hmm. Shit, I was almost like, oh, my God, my hair is not raining from then. I got my hair. Like, thinking about all this little shit that doesn't fucking matter. And it's like, we need to really learn how to be happy with ourselves. Because, like, I think social media has fucked me up. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner and of course Gail's sister Elaine Katz having no closure it kills you join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm getting way better at it, but like body, hair, clothes, and success yeah. are all the things I see on Instagram and think I'm not doing well enough with. Yeah. And um, this is fucked up, but it did happen to me. I went to Solid Core, which is this like Pilates-ish cool thing to do. It's in LA, Chicago, New York, big cities, Atlanta. And there's a girl on Instagram I follow that I always thought she was like so fucking insanely hot. Mm-hmm. And I was in the workout. She was right next to me, and I recognized her halfway through. Mm-hmm. She was really struggling. And it's not like it's something to make fun of. You're already working out. But I got in the car, and I thought, 
oh, my God, I have, I'm stronger than I thought I was, right? Mm. I'm looking at this girl all the time on my timeline thinking she's the baddest bitch in the world. And I I had something, like, she even said to me after, like, damn, bitch, you was getting it, mm-hmm. right? We don't know each other. Yeah. And I was like, wow, there's something we all have that someone else doesn't. Yeah. So when you're looking and you're thinking that it's, it's not, shit, yeah. me, I want kids so bad. Really? Yes. I would love to have kids. Like, I would love to have... Sliding mine over to you <laughs> for the weekend. Oh, my mom would love to watch her. My mom loved taking somebody baby. Oh, really? Oh, well, we... she's in L.A. That's perfect, because I ain't got no family here, and I pay every minute away. Oh, my mom will sleep. act like it's an inconvenience, but she can't wait to do it. Really? Like, Let me watch your baby. Then she... <sighs> Colleen called me, and now I've got to watch this damn baby. Now I'm getting the house baby proof. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> like, she loves taking somebody's problems or kids or anything. And, like, yeah, but I think about that. I think... uh I was at a friend's kid's graduation. Mm-hmm. Her daughter graduated in eighth grade. And I was like, like three people had asked me for a picture when I was in the auditorium. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if they think I'm like living this cool ass life. But somebody was like, damn, you came from LA to be here? Someone mm-hmm. said that to me. And I was like, when I could like die to be one of the parents in the front. Oh, wow. Yeah. But you never know, right? Yeah, like you you, know. there's always something we all want. Yeah. I think we all need that little drama in our lives too. Yeah. Keep going. You, you know? think so? Oh, like the when you say drama, like the need to want something more. Yeah. God, how are we going to be on autopilot if we have all we want? Like, what do you yeah. want? Oh, I want the sky's the limit. It's funny though, because I used to always want like the marriage and the baby, because I always felt like I was good at business, and then I just sucked at personal. But now that I experienced marriage and the baby, I'm like, I think I'm gonna stay in my business lane because I suck at it. It's just like, yo, you know what? I'll have to chop it up to like, it's just not my forte. I don't know why I can't master my personal, but it's, I could. I, it's tough. We all can't because it's not something you can control. Yeah, you maybe know? that's it. Because I, I feel like in business, like I will pivot the fuck if it's not working. Pivot again. Pivot it again. But then in my personal. I'll be like, oh, you went left? I don't even know what to say. Dude, love like, is tough. Yeah. Money we can control. Like, I feel like I can make a million dollars easier than I can find a good person to date. I mean, it's fucked up to say that, mm-hmm. but I really do believe that. I feel like when it's things you can control, like, you can't control money, let's say. Like, right? Yeah. Like, there's people out there that are working hard as fuck and are not getting there, but like... You could possibly take up another hustle to find yeah, yeah. some more money. Yeah. But I was taking pictures at a Uno pizzeria mm-hmm. on the side. Yeah. Because they would give me $100 a night. Okay. For five hours. And I would just take pictures, pictures, pictures. <laughs> and I would flip them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? The pictures were 15, but I'd tell people they were 20. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's like finding that hustle. I was on Craigslist looking for gig jobs. I was a caddy girl one day. You're like, hilarious. I told you I but that's it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I do you think now, do you think entrepreneurs are like born out the womb? Or do you think they could go to college and then become an entrepreneur? I don't think entrepreneurs are for everyone. Yeah. Because I think it's too exhausting. Yeah. Like I think uh working uh a nine to five, I think the goal for me before realizing I wanted to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I wanted to make two fifty. At That's a corporate where I'm job. at. I'm still praying to hit that too. At a corporate job. Oh, at a corporate. That to me would have made me not do anything else. No. Okay. Because the 175 was great. I was living in a great apartment and traveling, but my parents needed help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I need more money for my parents. If I had 250, that's money I could have to help them. And if I want to have a kid, I can live in this money. Mm-hmm. But uh, mind you, in New York. Yeah, yeah. Like 250 in another city might be a million dollars. Yeah. My rent even then was $2,500. It's crazy, bro. Yeah. Like, but. I say all that to say, 
nine to fivers are making a lot more money than entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Entrepreneurs are out here really struggling. It's tough. But I think it's because some people are chasing a dream that they think they should do when really that's not it. How would they identify the dream that is it, though, and from the dream that isn't? I think, one, if it feels like a passion, are mm-hmm. you happy doing it? Mm-hmm. Like, are you doing it because you actually love this? Like, why do you love making Eating While Broke? I just love uh, great rags to riches stories. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have some rich friends, and they always tell me they were, like, in jail somewhere or they were selling their ass somewhere. And I'm like, wait, you? And you live in a 7,000-square-foot mansion in L.A.? Oh, tell me more. And I just love it. Like, I will hang out and I just love the the stories. I'd be like, okay. But, you know. And now I would you get say, to share them with your audience and feeling inspired. But I was definitely lucky because I felt like the friends that I have, like, if I'm like, damn, this bill is high. I'd be like, you wouldn't understand. They'd be like, try me. I'd be like, a thousand bucks. I'd be like, nope, that bill's high. You know? <laughs> I'm like, really? That's you high. That? And they'd be like, no, it's high. You know? And so... Luckily, I was fortunate to be with some friends that really, like, that I felt like, damn, you're hanging out with me. Like, if you and I hung out, I would be low-key geeked just because you have a great personality. But I would also be low-key geeked because I'm like, I look up to you. Like, I definitely admire you, you know? I feel like that with people sometimes where I'm like, are we, like, we're peers, right? No matter if maybe, like, maybe my podcast has been going on longer than yours. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that's where I'm going to get, like... It's still peers. Well, you're more than just a pot. Like, in my eyes, what you and Mandy accomplished was great. But you got to think, you're a beautiful, attractive woman in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. I have sidebar conversations all the time. I'll leave a meeting. I'll be like, this person wants to fuck. And my friends will be like, how do you know? I'll be like, bro, I've been in this game way too long. I can tell by the questions, the the hints, they want to fuck. And then I got to navigate that. So to be an attractive woman, okay, then you're in entertainment. Then you're an entrepreneur. Then you're handling all this business. Then you're sales. You're, when I hear sales, nothing excites me. You know how you get. When I hear a girl could sell, I'll be like, "Oh, this is a. It's this, so, this is a real, real thug." You know. <laughs> but um, so I look at someone like you, and I'm like, "Yeah, I would definitely be in awe." Like you know, like you know, geeks. And same, same with my friends. Like I have my homie Day Storm. I'll hang out in his house or whatever. He literally will only hang out when we work out, which sucks because his workouts are absolutely terrifyingly, terribly hard workouts. <laughs> but like if I want to have a talk with Daystorm, I'm like, I'll be at your house at four to work out and it'll be the worst workout of the century, you know? But I still look up to him and I'll still be like geeked. Like, yo, I could walk into your house or borrow your house for the weekend. And But I st- even though we're friends, I still look up to you and you're st- vulnerable but they're the real inspiration behind my show they're real ass stories and real ass advice and honestly sharing that to the world and then you receiving that fan mm-hmm. feedback and things like that like having the passion that making you feel good learning in mm-hmm. the middle of your job that's how you know you keep going mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but also i think the largest mistake entrepreneurs make is if they have a regular job or a steady gig they leave it for the passion before the passion flourishes yeah and I didn't do that. Like, I was working 80 hours a week doing horrible and, yeah. you know, literally coming in with my suitcase to the office. Like, oh, I went to go see my parents. But really, I had a fucking 400-seat <laughs> show that we filled out. And, like, di- that today is different now. It's double, right? Yeah. And it feels great. But, like, nah, I had to do both. Yeah. I think living in the entertainment industry today is interesting because it could be anybody, right? Like, influencers have really ruined fame. You think so? Yes. I guess I could see that. 
It's um, weird because I see like I feel like they they're self made and they work very hard. Like when you look at the behind the scenes, they work hard. But I definitely would say I don't know. I would like to hear your perspective on that. I think influencers ruin fame because not saying that they're talentless, <clears throat> but content creation as a form of a talent. Like if inter- if the internet is gone, then where where do you take it? And yeah. what do you do with it? You know, I have a big influencer that reached out to me. They're not going broke or anything. Like, they're making, like, maybe 30, 40th post. Mm-hmm. But they reached out to me and were like, I need you to have dinner with me or some shit and influence me to do some other shit. Because I realized this is, like, just what if Instagram doesn't want me to do ads anymore? What if Instagram stops advertisements for influencers? What if the hashtag goes away? Like, she was terrified. Yeah. And it was when TikTok was about to get banned or something. And I was like, damn, this bitch making like, I don't know, half a million dollars yeah. a year off of IG ads. But she was right. Like, I didn't do anything else. Yeah. I've just been learning this one skill. And that shit is tough because, like, I don't know. I wouldn't want my kids to be an influencer. Well, I, yeah. I think it also inflates when I say it ruined fame. Like, you have movie stars, actors, actresses, and even podcasters fake fame to me. Like, it's not mm-hmm. real. Well, I've seen people, too, that will get, like, 10,000 followers, and they already switch up. I'm like, yo, if your bank account still reads zero, then who gives a fuck about some likes? But the fame shit is weird because the likes and all this stuff makes you think you're better than you are Yeah. when there's so many more of you. Yeah. So you really have to find that thing that makes you different. Like, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I follow so many girls that are just hot and kind of look the same because mm-hmm. of their clothes or their workouts or whatever. I don't think I know their names. Really? No. I remember sitting at Lucien. It's my favorite restaurant in New York. I always go there in the East Village. And I was looking at this girl, and I tapped her, and I was like, do I know you? Did we go to school together? Genuinely didn't know. I was like, I feel like I know you. And she was like, oh, I'm an influencer. I was like, like, maybe I follow you. What's your name? Didn't ring a bell. Looked at it, and I was like, damn, I've been following this bitch for a minute. But that's it. You're not even connecting to the content. Yeah. Because it's just... Grid post after grid post after something, something. That's why people like a Jess Hilarious, a Drewski, mm-hmm. a Pretty V, they fucking stick out because yeah. we know what they're doing. Yeah. And they, yeah. But those are also like, I know, well, I'll say for Pretty V because we had her on. She's she's also a hard, uh, she's like a hustler too. She's, mm-hmm. she's definitely like an entrepreneur. I would say she's, she's more of an entrepreneur than an influencer, even though she started that way. You know, you could... I feel the same with like B Simone, but something they have something that's different. They do, but I will say, I, I honestly say, like, and it could be just me vibing, but I would say almost ninety percent of my guests have true integrity. There's some where I'll be like, after an interview wraps, I'll be like, "Wow, I call bullshit," and I won't say who, but there was a couple episodes where my team, I'll be like, "Damn, that was a bullshit," meaning like they looked bigger. Than what they were. And then when I got in, I was like, you don't know your shit. You're fake. Maybe some people just get lucky. They got lucky or they they didn't name drop like, hey, your baby mama helped you or your mom helped you. Why wouldn't you give them the credit that they deserve? Don't you I think don't it's know. strange when people don't credit those that helped along the way? I think it's completely strange. Do you know one of and the, the reasons? By the way, if you're on my show and, they, and I catch it, I won't say it in front of the guests, but I will go immediately when the show wraps. I'll be like, I call bullshit. They left out somebody because their story isn't adding up. And I will literally, you could ask my crew, I will be Wait, was mine the sugar daddy? (laughs) No, your your story was as real as they get. But, you know, you you could tell because there'll be a missing gap. You know, there'll be like some part of the story where you'd be like, that that doesn't line up. There's something missing there. I can always tell because I like 
Well, you know, sometimes the struggle isn't what people like to show, right? The highlight reel is but what they we need to show. show the struggle on this show. I on agree. this show, you gotta tell I, me I you credit your baby mama, you credit your wife. If you're not giving other people their flower, it never takes from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say to you, Charlemagne makes me do that more than anyone. Like it makes me thank my team so much. Like I've never seen anyone be so gracious toward those around him. Mm-hmm. Even when I pay him a compliment, just no one else around. Mm-hmm. Damn, you killed this shit. Man, that was so and so. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I've never really. I've seen Charlemagne one time, so I, I literally saw him. Was like, thank you so much for everything you do for me. Have a good day. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Wait, you just met him in Atlanta? Yeah, that was it. And that's all I said was thank you. What for a, every what opportunity a normal, you give me. <laughs> rich and famous person, like normal and authentic. And um, I think I made a joke on a podcast and I tested it once. I was like, man, like they were like, who do you think is Someone that it, you've met that's a celebrity that you expected to be different. Yeah. I was like, Charlamagne answers the phone every time. I think it's very strange. Yeah. Because you're so, like, he's literally answered. I could hear him at the breakfast club. Oh, what's up? Peace, my knees. Uh, I'll call you back. You need me? Like, just really wants yeah. to make sure he's uh, accessible to people that he cares about. And I think that's what's inspired me to be a really good um, leader mm-hmm. and just all around good person when it comes to people that have paved the way. Because, yeah. like, we don't see that. We no, see a lot no. of I, 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 I. Yeah. You know? Well, also, I, I think the cool thing about him is that he has, like, an all-black woman team, pretty much. And he treats all those women great. Because I've worked for other people and with other people in the industry, and it ain't like that. It's more of the boys' club. I see the boys so getting blessed and the women getting dirt. And Charlamagne is very much, again, an authentic person. Yeah. Like, I heard him on a—I had a call with him for something else. And— the other person on the other end of the call was very like, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like a shell of themselves, trying mm. to show you how great they are. And Charlamagne was in a T-shirt in South Carolina, I think, visiting family. Or maybe he was outside of his crib. But he was like on a chair on a porch, just looking like he was chilling. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is suited up. And he's like, y'all are so lucky for me to be on this call. Just I could tell you. Yeah. That's what he's thinking. And he's so much of himself and still giving you gems. And I was like, Wow. He didn't even feel the need to like do it up for some Hollywood people. Yeah. Because he knows like this his brand is so raw. And I think we have to be that way. We can't try to be this person that we think other people would like because mm-hmm. they'll smell it just yeah. like you did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People smell that all day, every day. You could be a casual listener that's in that YouTube that's like, this person's a liar. Yeah. People yeah. clock it. Yeah. And for you to know that as someone that's bringing these people in, like, I think that says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But eventually we'll get to the space where there's like I can actually call bullshit on the mic. I'm not there yet. I know but, you want to. But there have been a couple where I'm like, bullshit. What but, about you being like, there's gotta be a uh. Oh, I go in and you can tell because they won't answer the question. And that's how I know it's bullshit. I'll be like, okay, you're just bullshit. I'll ask seven different ways. I'm like, okay, I call bullshit. But I won't say it on the mic yet. I'm not there yet. Plus, I feel I don't, like I don't like being a that, gotcha host either. Like, oh, like be yeah. there for the moment. I don't like yeah, that. and then also like there's the uncomfortable space. You know, with our shows, like we dig into the vulnerability a little bit deep. And um, I like to say to everybody, it's a safe space. Like, if I think there's something that you're gonna say on our show that I think is gonna ruin your career or cancel you. You don't even have to send your publicist or whoever over to like, oh my god, Colleen, or beg me. 
I'm gonna remove it just on game on just you shared your story. Like. I, I completely agree with you. I think that keeping those moments, like I've seen Megan James, um, she, I mean, I don't wanna talk too much shit. She spent some money on WTS studio, but there's some clips where I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You know, like I'm kind of surprised you invite someone in your space to like do that. Mm-hmm. And she's just sticking out of my mind right now. I'm not saying she's like a terrible person, but it's a it's a style yeah. of interviewing that uh, works for her. Maybe she's got more streams than all of us. Yeah. Who knows? But like, I don't know if I could do it. That's how I feel about honestly, like Jason Lee. To be honest, I feel like some of the stuff he be doing, I'll be like, well, maybe. And I have this conversation with my little brother all the time. And I'm always like, Eagle, maybe maybe I should sell out. Like, because I'll look at such and such, kind of like how you look at social media and be like, look at this person. It's like, they're really, honestly, like, they don't give a fuck about anybody's career, you know? And then they, they Jason clicks. Lee, a, a Charlamagne mm-hmm. back in the day, a Megan James, I think you know what you're getting when you go in the door. Yeah. And I think people almost, it's like Z-Way. People would say, how the fuck does anyone keep going on there? Like, mm-hmm. You know I don't know what Z-Way is, but... You don't know what Z-Way is? She's the black girl that had the show on Showtime where she would ask people questions and, like, she had Julia Fox. Charlamagne was a guest on there. She, what was her famous one? But what would she ask them? She would just ask them questions that would make them look bad. Oh, really? Like, she showed Charlamagne a d- diagram and had him point out someone. And she was like, oh, so you think that white people are superior type shit. Oh, okay. But, like, it's like she was one of those. And I think, like, people prepare themselves for those. Yeah. Funny Marco. I don't know how people say what well, that nigga. Is that the one is where the guy just says, like, insulting things or something? Kind of. Yeah, because I saw that show and I was like, look, I just love that show, period. But, like, it's content. Yeah, it's content. You know? It's so very good. I think maybe it's just content that I can't make. But, like, yeah. you know, it's hard for me to push. Unless I think something's wrong. Yeah. Like, uh, I do Man on the Street for my TV show a lot. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, this guy talked about how he hadn't had a girl twerk or do something. And I was like, he's black. Mm-hmm. Oh, what kind of girls are you dating? He's like, I prefer white. Oh. And then I can see the camera crew just in the back like, oh, bitch. I was like, <laughs> really? He was like, yeah, I just updated a black girl and they're really crazy. I was like, okay, so have you ever met a Karen? <laughs> He's like, well, I don't date that type of way. Oh, but there are crazy white women. So basically, I'll tell you right now, my future ex-husband, he loves white women. But his thing is that black women's standards are, are higher or like they're not as easy as a white girl. And so he lives for the white girls. He lives for the my white girls. My ex literally only cheated on me with white women to the point that I was like, you oh, must like, yeah, you must you're really. Da- you're dating me so your mom is happy. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, maybe I was just light-skinned enough. Well, like, do you, this is completely random, but I have a pet peeve about dating a guy that only dates mixed girls. I can't do it. I, I haven't. I'd be pissed. I feel like I you're. Haven't only, I haven't. I, I didn't know. Like, you don't know until you You know. don't know, but when you find, I know for me, I just feel like there's a little bit of colorism issues it there. Is, or like dudes like, that are like, I only like light-skinned. I'm like. All right. I don't know. That's weird. But I started to think with my ex-husband, my future ex-husband, that maybe he maybe he genuinely just likes white girls and he's just saying that as like a cover up. No. I think. You're right. He's like, hey, she like white in a different light. Let me stop. Yeah, exactly. Like on some real shit, I think. It's kind of scary because you really have to clock them as light-skinned people. You got to clock them as mixed girls. Like, this shit is not cute. For, like, a man that you're dating to only date... I had a guy tell me once that I was acting dark-skinned. He told me it was crazy that my hair wasn't super curly like most mixed girls. Wow. And he was like, you talk different. 
Wow. Yeah, I don't Are like that. Are you calling that. me a hood rat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I won't. I won't. Well, right now, thank God, I'm like 100% focused on not dating, which is this the longest I've ever been single. That's when they be coming too. I be trying to act like I'm not focused on dating. I'll walk in a club and be like, I'm not looking for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I like how you be positioning it too. I want to date so bad, man, but Mm-mm. it's it's tough. And honestly, how do you juggle a breakup with a with a business? Honestly, I'm terrible. If it wasn't for my high school friends scooping me off the floor behind closed doors, girl, he's gonna be okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, my I don't know. responsibilities. Like, hate to get morbid, but the only things that have kept me from killing myself is my dog and my team. Yeah. And it's not because they're encouraging me to stay, mm-hmm. you know, in this, like, hey, we need you to be alive so we can make money. <laughs> but, like, literally, I think about them and I'm like, uh, one of the people that worked for me, I recently found out used to be homeless. Mm-hmm. And thanks me all the time for being able to do things for their mother now. And, like, it's fucking wild. I get random texts from a lot of our staff at 2 in the morning, love working with you. And I'm like, oh, these niggas is wrong. And, they <laughs> and it's such a good feeling. Yeah. Um, but I think about that. I think about that when I'm getting down on myself. Like, how dare you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay. you are helping all of these people. I'm going to leave my parents alone in the world. And when I tell you my dog, no bullshit. I was just being drama queen one day. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I looked at her. I was like, who's going to feed Nina? That was good. <laughs> but those little things like yeah. really got to bring you back. But when running those businesses, I'm sure for people that are listening that are only have themselves, you probably feel like, well, who do I fight for? But you fight for your future self. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. We Everything is momentary. When you're broke, it's momentary. Sometimes when you get in that big check, it might be momentary. Like yeah. everything is kind of momentary. It's just that feeling that'll last for a little bit. A strong emotion is only for a little bit. Even when you're crazy in love, it just kind of lasts for a period of time. And I think that when we are down, we feel like it's the end. But yeah. you got to have faith in your future self. Yeah. I you know? like that. I'm a, I'm a personally remember that. No, now that I have Zariah, my daughter, I'm like, yo, if you leave and you the number one gangster soldier for her, ain't nobody going to go harder for Z than you. Then, then what's she gonna have? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, well, shit. I guess, I guess that's it. That's it. It's you. You know what I'm saying? But I, I do think too, though. Sometimes when you are having a bad day and you have all these responsibilities, I'll be like, well, how can I go? I got like 16 things planned next week that I have to get done. I can't even take the one day off. This is why they said <laughs> the one day off. The- <laughs> they say this thing about how you have to have something to look forward to. Week, month. No, I think d- next days, week, or month. I can't remember what it is, but it's basically so that you don't get to where you feel like you have nothing. It has to be something on the calendar, whether it be a workout, Mm -hmm. whether it be a nail, something you scheduled for yourself. Even if it's not a trip, it's dinner at a cool place. You got to have something because if you don't have that, then you feel hopeless. Like we need to have those things. My mother actually gets like that. My mom's in her 70s. She gets so bored. I can't wait to bring Zariah to your mom. Oh, my God. Here, baby. It's Here's so something to do. bad. <laughs> she does it with random people in, like, restaurants, especially if they're, like, black and cool. she just be looking at the baby. I, I got to meet your mom. She won't talk either. She'll just start to do this while the mom's eating. It's fine. <laughs> and then keep talking to me. And I'm like, what the fuck is Oh, Weezy, it was such a good time having you that I hope that now that you're in L.A. or when you pop in L.A., you hit me up. I, of course. Um, please do. And hopefully, you know, if you pass a rich dude and you want to put me to my first you rich, nick, rich dude it, school, I want to I want to experience. I've never done it. Um, girl, go and seek an arrangement. I, I will. 
I'm serious. It's I want to sugar daddy website. I want to. I'm, I'm gonna check it out and I'm gonna be texting you, girl. You would not believe what. <laughs> you would be good at financial domination. Financial domination. You gotta make people feel like shit online, and they just send you money for doing it. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna look up all these. Look things. up pay pigs. You're gonna That's get a text. Did you say pay, pay pigs? Um, but um, thank you for taking time out of your crazy schedule to come visit and cook for me. Um, before we close out, can you tell everybody all the different assets that you have and how to keep up with you? Yeah, I'm on tour right now. Horrible Decisions. This is our final tour. It's the climax. We're not breaking up. We just really are like touring is a lot of work. Can't do it. So check us out on horrorhive.com and Horrible Decisions. Visit if you're an up and coming podcaster. I have a studio in New York and LA. It's super affordable. You can literally record for 60 bucks if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Or a thousand if you're rich. Um, and my TV show, Sex Sells on Fuse. Yeah. Stream that motherfucker because that's the place that got the most mouth to feed. So really? just, just literally sit and stream it. Not that really. it needs the help. No, I, I want to watch it. <laughs> it's I'm really totally, fun. Yeah, I definitely am going to watch it for sure. It's a cute show. Um, I go to a brothel this season. It's not out yet, but I've become a prostitute. It's fucking Really? Crazy. Oh, yeah. I sat down with a client. Oh, I'm that. definitely watching. It was crazy. My favorite episode of all time on there was when my mom did phone sex. That was crazy. Basically, I feel like I would be great at phone sex, by the way. Maybe you would. It's like I, a, would, I would be phenomenal. Just so you know, I covered the business that does it. She teaches women how to keep them on the phone, and like I was in a celibate relationship, so I will say, fucking mom. I just got out of a celibate relationship. Really? I hated it. I I absolutely hated it. I a hundred percent. And then I got with my husband, who was like the opposite, just a super hoe. And I was like, this is the best. But it came out of a celibate relationship and ran right to the opposite. Oh no! Yeah, that was. You need a good three times a week. Yeah. But um, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Eating While Broke. I'm your girl, Colleen, and this is Wheezy. Bye, y'all. Bye. For more Eating While Broke from iHeartRadio and The Black Effect, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season... 
we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 